co-op mode, round 85. This is the official video game podcast of Secret Friends Unite. I'm one of your hosts, Todd Oxtra, joined by the man from Atlantis, Mark the Canardian Carabin. How are you doing, friend? I'm good now. Man, it was a, a week of, of COVID lockdown. The whole house had it. Uh, we were all locked down together. So uh, having COVID with a, a wife and a toddler who also have COVID, uh, super not fun. But we all got through it okay. Uh, I was definitely worried about Finn. We did end up at the hospital once, but uh, it's all good. So we're we're past the hump. We're uh, here anyway. It's a, it's a seven week lockdown of isolation or seven day lockdown isolation. Sorry, seven, seven weeks. weeks. Uh, yeah, see you in the summer. Um, no, <laughs> seven days. Uh, so I can go back to work tomorrow, which is uh, the start of my eighth day. So I'm, I'm officially cleared by the, the province of Nova Scotia. I mean, Atlantis. So uh, so happy to be back and, and, and ha- looking forward to recording and talking about video games. Yeah, you definitely are. Then now you're supercharged, right? Because you've been vaccinated. You're all this stuff. And now you have this. Finn is a super baby. Um, he is the, uh, what is it? Um, Jack Jack? He is Jack Jack. Jack Jack. He's got superpowers yes. ready to go. Um, yeah. And we are excited for that and everybody to get back to normal. Uh, but before we get too deep into the weeds, we are joined by a new member of the co op pouch, and that is Mr. Steve. I will kill his last name, uh, who is going to introduce himself. It is pronounced uh, Steckety. Uh, S T E K E T E E. Steve Steckety. No or one thank ever you has for a problem trying. with that, do they? Uh, <laughs> most people actually think my my last name is my first name. Actually, my name is Stevens Steckity. So people on on mail they swap it and somehow think Steckity's first because Stevens sounds more like a last name. But my right. parents are weird. Hey, gotta love it. <laughs> gotta love it. Um, I just found out that potentially I could my name could be Todrick. and I oh. did not know that. So I missed Todrick. an opportunity to really have a cool name. But you know, I'll blame my mom. Oh, well. Well, Steve was just on Secret Friends Unite, which you'll hear Friday when we drop that. And it was such a fun time finding out that he's a video game fan. I thought it was a perfect time to bring him on. He's actually old friends with Charlie Carden, who is also on Secret Friends Unite Prime, does Holocron Chronicles of Mark. And I thought this was a good time because he dropped that he played Elden Ring. And I'm like, oh, no, we got a we got a real gamer here, folks. So we're going to go into that finished Elden Ring. Oh, no. I'll just, I'll just start right. with that. So, oh, yeah. My son hasn't even done that yet. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, no, guys, thank oh, you very much for having me uh, having me on. Like I, you said, I was on the movie one the other night, the Secret Friends podcast. Had a great time talking about movies, which is my true passion. But then we connected on the on the video game aspect, which is the alternate passion that I have. So thank you very much. Sweet. Yeah, we brought you on for such a great classic. So... <laughs> Morbius. Future oh, yeah, yeah. That it is. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Get out Perfect to the get time. out to the theaters all. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the movie, stay for the cup. Well, I got the cup, folks, if you want to see it. Oh well. We are gonna start this off. We always want to learn more about our guests, and the best way to do that is find out about your gaming taste. So we go into our favorite segment called I Rent Return. Because we just got announced that there's going to be a new Monkey Island game. There's going to be a new Roberto Williams game. And I'm like, it's a resurgence. And we have picked, I have picked three adventure games from different eras of time. And this is going to be very exciting because I'm curious if Mark has experience with one of the titles because it's really, really old. Um, But we'll go from there. We'll go from there. Um, So, Mark, before we do our picks... Yep. We put this out into the interwebs and our Discord, and I believe we have a pick. So our our 
categories are King's Quest, The Walking Dead by Telltale, and Monkey Island. Right. Yes. So uh, we did have one in the Discord. Uh, the Winter Gamer, Brendan Myers, said he would buy The Walking Dead, rent Monkey Island, and return King's Quest. However, that comes with a stipulation that he's never played a single one of these. So he is going by, I'm guessing, box art alone or title <laughs> or whatever it is. I love it. It's the blockbuster approach. You're looking at these things. You're saying, hey, that has a cool one. This is cool. Maybe he's a Walking Dead fan but never played the game. I'm not sure. Brennan, uh, I want to know what forced you to pick what you picked. That's that's more interesting, I think, than the, than the choices. So, uh, so there we go. That's... That's pretty cool. I, I do. I, I need to admit, yeah, I, you were right on King's Quest. Uh, never played it myself. So I, you, you want to give me a little bit or am I going on box art for this one too? So, uh, well, so King's Quest is one of the first games that I think really brought uh, gaming to the masses from the PC lens because it wasn't on consoles forever. And it truly was the quest to become a king. And it was a true adventure game where you were walking around. There was no mouse and keyboard. It was just keyboard. You would use the directional controls and then you would just use, I don't even know, Steve, on the first game, if you even had like keywords or if it was totally like pick up rock, pick up thing. It was very basic. It was a graphic adventure that made you actually think a little bit because it was completely esoteric in the way that you solved the puzzles. But it was one of the first, we're dating ourselves here, uh, one of the first games that had decent graphics for it that wasn't just a... CGA, te- like a, yeah. EGA, VGA, yeah. It was a text Color adventure like Zork. Yeah. yeah, like Zork, but with actual graphics that you could walk around in. And you had no clue other than I have to go become a king and I have to save the girl from the troll or something. So you can go find the troll in the woods, but once you're there and it's coming after you, do you pick up rock, throw at troll? And you were just constantly trying these things to type in to see what would happen with it. It was awesome. And there was no combat per se in regards to like action. It was truly you made an action and there was a scripted event that would happen. And often there was a lot of cheeky dialogue. It was very fun. And there essentially, I believe, was eight King's Quest. I think eight was the magic number. But they did that was the the, the quest series turned into Space Quest, where it was a goofy like space adventure. There was Police Quest, which was a very odd like police quest very mm-hmm. odd and then there was also heroes quest which became quest for glory which was a little more action oriented things like that so it was a, a variety of games i mean through the eras it was great um and then we actually got a reimagining of king's quest about four years ago where they made it look beautiful it's on xbox one i believe Mark. Yeah. so you can play it's a really beautiful game it's very fun and it's taking the heart of that but it's definitely uh, a reimagining, a reappropriation. So it's very cool. So that's one thing I want to jump in. Yeah. I would love to say, though, uh, believe it or not, you died more often in all of those games than Elden Ring. Oh, yeah. Ever Experimentation and bad choices was, they all, were was all about. Ruthless in killing you. If you stepped off a path off a cliff, you were gone. If something ran across screen and ate you, didn't type it fast enough, you were dead. So, yeah, nobody in Elden Ring has any idea what real rage quitting is in the 80s <laughs> and there was no there was no um online help 
there was potentially maybe like a, a, a guy strategy guide back in the day, but you had to find it. And it was just a lot of late nights with my myself and my friend, Sean Crosby. We got a Tandy 1000 computer and we were just like, let's figure this out over the night. And we got no sleep. Well, I, I could add to that. They had hint lines, too. You could actually oh, call up right. the uh, the 900 number for a dollar a minute. And uh, it was real interesting when you're like 12 years old and your father comes back and goes, what is this $900 call that you called and you owe $175 on? Because I'd get so stuck in some of these games. You call, they put you on hold for five minutes before they'd answer your question. And it was, oh, mercy. That was lovely. <laughs> and you'd almost want to admit that you were calling like one of those like hot singles lines versus I was talking about a video game. <laughs> I, yeah, right. Back then. <laughs> really? Sorry, sorry Dad. Really? I know I'm 13, but it's a video game, not a line. Yeah, yeah sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so Mark, yeah, King's Quest, you play The Walking Dead, I assume, or you're at least familiar with it. And then Monkey Walking Island, Dead. Tim Schafer, and um, oh, I'm blanking on the other creator's name. Ron Gilbert and Gary Winnick. Ron Gilbert, that's right. Though that was their basically a pirate adventure with Hunting, uh, uh, and which is a game series I never played. But so maybe I will get into the new game that's coming out. So I have a little bit of a blank spot in there, but I played the other two. So, Mark, for you, our description of King's Quest. Walking Dead by Telltale or Monkey Island? Uh, I have played Walking Dead and Monkey Island. I'm going to pick Monkey Island for my buy. Uh, I love that kind of humor. I love those kind of games. It's yeah, it's 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 one that I've played a few times. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Monkey Island for my buy. You do have me interested in King's Quest and The Walking Dead is is. A franchise that I was into a little bit when the TV show first came out dropped off after like the super boring second season and never really got back into anything else. So um, you guys kind of almost have me convinced to rent King's Quest and just return Walking Dead. I think I'm going to go with that just to like mix things up right now. Uh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's hey, what I'm sticking with. So the good choices, Mark, Steve. All right. Well, okay. I loved all three of those series, but again, I am a bit older. So uh, I would have to say, well, I love the resurgence of the uh, game uh, RPG-esque kind of choose your own adventure that uh, Walking Dead brought back. I actually preferred the Fable one, the um, the, the Fairy the Tales one, us. The Wolf Among Us. Yeah, that was from Telltale. Yeah. Uh, that one is definitely the, the, what was it? The Rent It or Put It Back? The Buy Rent Return. <laughs> return. Uh and, and that is a devil's conundrum there between the other two for me because one was one of the first things that set off my entire love for gaming when we had a computer very early on in my life. And then the second one was when I was more of a teen, a young teen, and it was just the one that twisted games to the next level of interest. It took it past mm -hmm. the King's Quest, what everything looked like, the graphic style made it funny, added more sound, added different kinds of music, and it just really amped it up to the next level, kind of like Myst did with you know other games. So I'm going to have to say that I would probably uh, rent King's Quest, as painful as to say. And I think you know the answer to which one I would buy and own. And if uh, anybody here is familiar with oh. other games by that exact same company, yes. same guys who did uh, Monkey Island, their first one that actually came out, which was, again, one of those games you died every two seconds and it was nearly impossible. Mark, do you know what these are? Well, looks like a flop. Yeah, it is a floppy disk. Oh, there we go. Big and floppy disk. Flop <laughs> <and a half. laughs> That's a big a one. That's a five I, and a quarter. I yeah. found this in a warehouse at my my father's warehouse in a 
bunch of junk he took from me when I was younger and left for college. So I have all this old stuff and never threw anything away. So that's why I, I, I put it all through my, my room. Um, but awesome. just, just so happened to have that. So that was timely. So folks, another reason to watch the video is to see a art, you know, artifact of a time long <laughs> gone. And pro tip, if you own five and a quarter uh, floppies, you could use a hole punch and make them recordable on the other side. Ooh, crazy that, story. Yes, yes, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> so save icon. I know it's wonderful. Um, yeah, that's my dad hooked me up as a C6 uh, Commodore 128 owner. His buddy would copy me games, and that's how I would like play uh, Maniac Mansion things like that. That was fun though. That was like the do-it-yourself uh, technology back then. You could figure out how to work the system and feel like you were like super smart. So that was a great. That was a great tip. Yeah, I don't know. My dad was like pirating things, but I mean, that was just like the lowest rent I received in the world. Oh, well, we'll talk about that another day. I've got some really good stories about, you know, being a young gamer back in the day when you know, there was a lot of black label stuff in the day. Um, so I almost picked Day of the Tentacle as the, the, the third, but I thought I picked Monkey uh, Monkey Island because of that. So we go with that. So for myself, um, it's definitely by The Walking Dead, um, just because... I absolutely loved it because I loved I, I loved The Walking Dead when it started off and I loved the comic and I loved the TV series. Obviously, what it became is just a different topic. But and then what they did with the game, it was so complimentary and a different story where they took the, 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 the property. They said a completely different story that had nothing to do with what you were watching on TV and told a cool story. I love that. And it really created a new era of of adventure gaming that really made they used to call it choice uh, and consequence which is great. I love that. Um, so I would take that as my buy. Uh, King's Quest would be my rent because I would love to revisit a lot of those experiences, but I don't think I would really go all the way through them. I would like, it would be like uh, dipping my toe and then getting back out because I don't think I could recapture the glory. Um, and then Monkey Island would be a return only because I would play the new one. So that's where I would dip. But I mean, obviously, um, I, I've heard the great things about the fact that you, you battle with puns. It's almost like pun battling, sort of like sword wielding. So I've heard so many good things about that. It's one of the pinnacles of that, but I just missed it. So, mm. um, yeah, so it, it's going to be a fun time to see where this goes with all these new games. So very excited about that. But mm -hmm. the reason we are here is to talk about what we've been gaming, folks. Um, we really go deep here. Um, we've got a, one news item, and then we're going to talk about accessibility in the topic. Um, but um, Steve, anything you've been gaming? This has been the summer of my revisiting older games because I couldn't find anything I really wanted to play this summer. So because of the Game Pass, uh, I've been going back through all the... Um, I just went through the entire Mass Effect series again, like one right after the other after the other. I never thought I would have sat through that or had the time to do that, but somehow I did. Uh, I just did The Witcher 3 again. I had these on previous systems. And then, like you were just saying, I'm, cur well, I'm currently playing Lost uh, Judgment right now, which is by the, the guys who do the Yakuza games. Yeah. It's kind yeah, of yeah, an open-world right. uh, fighting-slash-investigation. It's kind of fun. Karaoke, right? Yeah, it's got all that stuff. It's weird, though. It's like a total offshoot, but the same kind of game yeah. as the Yakuza games. Um, but as I said earlier, I'm still dipping back into Elden Ring. I hate that kind of difficult game and got suckered into by it on day one. And somehow I did not throw a controller through my te television and managed to beat that thing about a week ago. And I'm still dip into it. I think I'm probably 85% of the way through all the bosses, everything I've written. Now I'm to the point I'm reading on everything I might've missed or where I can find everything. So uh, I feel I've gotten pretty far through it. 
Are you playing on? Do you are you just a console gamer or also a PC gamer? I am now completely strictly a console gamer. When I started building PCs, from I'm an actual video animator. I'm an animator and a video editor. Um, and uh, when I started building the PCs for that side of things, I stopped using the big rigs. They cost enough. I needed them for work, so uh, I run my own company and all the ones I have that are basically work machines. And I just slid over to the consoles when the Xbox and PlayStation became relevant, relevant probably on their first one, and kind of never went back. So. Although I miss it because I know there's so much more fun modding and things you can do with the <laughs> PCs. My son showed me a video today. My son is 16. He's that perfect age. He loves Elden Ring. And I'm like, are you not beating this game yet? And he could easily beat it by now. But he's like just bulking up, doing all these crazy things. He shows me all the stuff he's doing. I'm like, I'm living vicariously through him. He sherpa me through the, like, the first mini boss. And I'm like, that's cool. But I'm not going to be able to do this without you because I'm just not a patient gamer. So I've been watching him and he showed me a video about because this one woman who's like an NPC doesn't there's not many characters, but he's talking about an accord, like something my accord. So somebody modded the PC game and put a Honda Accord in the game, replacing the horse <laughs> that you can drive around. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Right. It, it has so much George. It made a big deal of George R. R. Martin writing for it. And apparently he didn't write very much other than the backstory lore you don't even hear. But there's so much of that. You know, that old Englishy dialogue of, a, we need an accord, let's parlay, you are maidenless. But, you know, that all these videos are coming up because people are kind of making light of the how serious it's taking itself, which is awesome. Right. But how yeah. silly it can also sound. I think he just created a Mad Libs. He said, I'm going to create 25 verbs, yeah. 85 <laughs> proper nouns. You play with them and I'll give you the skeleton. There you go. Run. Go ahead. Anything to yeah. avoid writing more uh, Game of Thrones. Exactly. <laughs> he will. That, that's the funny part about it. He, was, he keeps going after projects and he's just, I think he's just the biggest troll in the world. He is the original troll. He's just trolling his fans. Didn't, doing what, George? <laughs> didn't He's still trying to finish that one book, right? The Fire and Ice. Exactly. And that's not yeah. even the end of the series. That's like, oh, that's like book six of seven or eight. So it's oh, like. Keeps taking these little side jobs instead of uh, actually going on what the what the yeah. fans want. I can't complain. I never actually read any of the books or watched the show. I. So I like the show, but I'm like, yep. uh, if we waited until he finished it, we would not get the series until like 2038. Yeah. And he's not a young man. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> not getting not getting a little bit uh, uh, dark or anything, but oh well. Um, anything else, Steve? You've been playing? Uh, that's yeah. That's really it right now. I can't think of anything like i don't have tons of time and i just burned 90 hours on elden ring and now it actually makes me feel bad about myself like what was like what could i have been doing there so uh 90 hours well spent <laughs> it is but uh yeah actually i've done done worse than that boy during covid man yeah 189 hours i think i put into odyssey because it was <laughs> just so Board, obviously i have never gone oh, even Assassin's close Creed? yeah never gone even that close to putting that many hours in a game but man what do you do for well you three can years put that many into a valhalla sounds like because now they've got expansions oh, and things like that i'm yes. only about a buck 20 in a valhalla but i kind of put that away because elden ring so. <laughs> got it got it yeah yeah it was a big thing about people and i just showed mark i just showed you the new comic that's out there i'm like yeah oh, like, there's so much content see if uh yeah. see if they have that in well very mark, what do you play I have been playing, uh, so I've been playing one game that Todd's also been playing, so I'm going to save that to the end. Uh, was it last episode, someone asked us what's our com gaming comfort food? I believe so, Mark. 
Well, I got a, a chance to experience that this week because, you know, not feeling good. I, I, I didn't really have anything new to get into. Um, like I said, as a sick toddler, I've been like, you know, you, you think you're off for a week, whatever, you're going to play a p- bunch of games, but uh, for the most part, no. Uh, but when I did have some time, it was just a comfort food kind of thing. So I went back and played Super Mario World on uh, Nintendo Switch Online, and that is 100% just comfort food for me. And uh, it's 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 so good to just go back and, and check out little you know, find, re- remember where all the secrets are and remember how to do this and do that. And it's, it's just been great. Um, but that was kind of triggered by Kirby, which is, is, uh, what reminds me of those types of games. Uh, Todd, I think you messaged me and said it, it's the kind of game that makes you feel like a good gamer. Um, <laughs> where, I think last time we talked about getting our asses handed to us in Tunic and I've still been playing a little bit of Tunic and Fortnite. Of course, I'm not going to talk about those though, uh, because Kirby is so good. My, my son smiles every single time he sees Kirby. Uh, when you press the control pad and Kirby waves, my son waves back to him and says, hi, uh, he has my Kirby amiibo now that he's carrying around. So I have to order like a, a Kirby plush or something so he can, you know, actually like play with something instead of a, an amiibo fi- figure. Uh, but it's, it's such a great game. I've never gotten into a Kirby game this much. And, and I like the series. They do some fun, exciting, weird things, but, uh, but this one's just, I don't know. It's, it's just something special. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's interesting because Kirby, it's weird because if you really go deep into Kirby, people claim that Kirby is like the, he is the easy mode or or sorry, he is like the boss mode. Like you bring a Kirby in, he wrecks house and it's like smash and it's like, but that's Kirby. He's not a bad guy. No, Mm -hmm. he can kill people. He can absorb you. He wrecks havoc and he's also like an outfighter. Standing. Remember the start of exactly new smash game. That's yep. Apparently people said he potentially might be an elder God. We don't know this because he eventually, and they said like there's the, he absorbs his enemy inside of Kirby is like the hell of like an underworld. So it's like, you can go deep into Kirby lore, which my son keeps reminding me of. I'm like, I don't want to think Kirby that, but oh, well, maybe <laughs> is, maybe <laughs> isn't, you know, further than the super bopping Arlo song that, uh, oh, that was, that was fantastic. I, I didn't even know that was a real song times this week. That song yeah. is just, it's. Hey, Kirby. It's yeah, I did not know that was a song, a real song. And Arlo did a great job. And and by the way, uh, Steve, if you ever want to look, watch a really cool YouTuber, his name's mm-hmm. Arlo. He is essentially a Muppet. Yeah. Okay. He has great takes on video games, but he's very odd and different. And he just has a fun time. Love him. He's He just loves people. And yeah, it's just a very weird. I don't know how we found him, but my son loves him. But um, to taking the note. <laughs> Taking the yeah, note. But, to, but that point, Kirby is an interesting... I, I was playing it, actually. It was the perfect game waiting to have my oil change done. And I did that last Friday. So it was like, oh, I've got nothing to do. I'll play Kirby. And that's exactly what I did. Got my Switch out. It's the perfect use of a gaming system. I could have read comics on my tablet. Could have done something else. I played Kirby. So I had a good time with Kirby. I think I beat the first boss. It's not hard. It's fun. There is the level of difficulty is really, if you want to be completionist, there's also a co-op mode, which I heard is okay, but 
I think it's it's probably perfect for a younger gamer. So, Mark, this is the perfect game to keep in the back catalog for your son, as most Kirby games are. Mm-hmm. Logan and I loved Ep- Kirby's Epic Yarn. Loved that. And Logan loved is a, a Kirby 3D Dreamland or whatever. It was a side-scrolling game on the... I think it was on the Wii U. or I can't remember what it was on. Maybe it was on the Wii U. Maybe it was on the Wii. But... It was pretty awesome side scroller, and you got like a huge sword. You did stuff. Logan loved that. So Logan's like an aficionado when it comes to Kirby. It's like that's a good Kirby game or not a good Kirby game. He hasn't played this one yet, but I think they'll enjoy it. Uh, I think we're above the co-op version of it because we would just probably troll each other more than have fun. But it is a fun game, and it is cool. The mouthful mode, Steve. I don't know if you've seen this. Kirby is essentially just absorbing like like vending machines. Huge cones, a set of stairs, which mm. made no sense. Yeah, and just it's odd. But it makes for some really fun, especially the yes. stairs. There's some really fun and interesting puzzles based on how you absorb the stairs. You can't rotate them, so you have to hit. There's there's all over. Yeah, you fall like over, up or sideways. Yeah, that you yeah. have to like put on different platforms in order to to progress through the level, and like it, it's not heard by any means but it is a fun little point like what what you're saying like for a new gamer or even just someone who's tired and sick with covid and wants something fun and cute to play uh as i was this week it's just like one of those things is like this is as taxed as i want my brain to be this is perfect right now well may i ask a question then uh about that so i am a new i hear you are a uh, a big uh switch switch user and i like half of America did, bought a Switch two years ago. It was amazing timing. It seemed to be time right. All of us in the house ended up getting one. Uh, we had to, boy, I think I, I bought it from some kid who wanted to buy a moped in like a Myers parking lot because I, you couldn't find one anywhere. And I found some kid who wanted to Not sell his. Not sketchy at all. <laughs> no, but it was fine. He, he seemed real nice. Um, but uh, so I've been trying to find, I, I, I Nintendo, unfortunately, is the one system that's fallen off my radar more than the other two over the years just because for no other reason other than it just has. But I do like the Switch very much, and I'm always trying to find those quick hitter games, those doctor appointment games, the ones where you're getting your you know hit. If you haven't covered this so much, what for a newbie like me who has played Breath of the Wild, who has played Hades, who has played the, the Diablo right now and Animal Crossing, I'm always trying to find that quick hitter little game that I can go in that I don't have to think too hard. I think I'm trying something called like American criminal or something right now. What's like a grand theft auto top down. You're like oh. robbing houses and stuff, but it's real. You just jump in and then you, you run from the cops and then, you know, mm. a little worth it. What, what's cool for an idiot like me who like Hades. Have you played Hades? <laughs> well, yeah, I did. I, I played. That's perfect for switch too, because it's very short runs too. Right. And, but the, here's the thing with Hades with me where I could get through Elden ring after the first time I beat that boss, the main boss lady at the end of the first mm-hmm. major dungeon. Yeah. And I went back, even knowing full well, I had to go back. I was incredulous. Like, are you kidding me? I had to go back. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's tough. It's tough. I, I went through that era. I love that game, but yeah, it is a beef up, but it's like, you have to go through all against that rogue light versus, yep, yep. uh, which souls, which is just get good, but you can think, um, but I love the lore. The lore is awesome. I'm a, I'm yeah. a Latin student, and the way they treat these the the, the mythology Perfect. and just make it quirk is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, recommendation? Um, did you try Mario Odyssey? No. Oh, that's man. a blast. Great. That's okay. a blast. Um, I, I 
mostly kind of jump in and out because there are a lot of save points through the levels and you can, you know, just suspend or whatever, but uh, pretty, pretty quick and very, very fun to play. You know, a lot of stuff to find as well. If you really want to get in deeper, you can just kind of golden path it and just collect whatever it is, you know, the five moons for this stage and the 10 moons for that stage. But then there's 20 other moons that you can go find too. Right? Mm-hmm. So, I think the last Mario game I played was Mario Sunshine. Which was awesome, oh, yeah, but go, that's, yeah. that's, oh. that's, that's a few years ago. Odyssey, <laughs> Odyssey Gal- if you didn't play, well, there is the 3D Mario collection. No, no you can't even buy it, Mark. No, you can't get it. No. Oh, we're screwed because I'll say because the Galaxy and Odyssey or uh, Sunshine are in that collection. But let me let me put it this way, Stephen. I can send you that collection. I own it on Switch cartridge. If you want it, I'll send it to you. Check it out. Let me know. Oh, okay. I really should have got the physical edition of that. I just downloaded like the digital version of that collection. Yeah, yeah. I should have. I should have got it for that. Even even just that reason of like you can't buy it anymore. Uh, Can I ask one more question? While you're thinking about that, about the thing about the switch that annoys the ever living hell out of me about that thing. Is sure. I buy all my games digitally, and if I'm not sitting on a Wi-Fi signal or my Wi-Fi signal's weak, it won't let me play. I think that's the most asinine thing in the world for mm-hmm. it to not know that I own the the code for that thing. Any yeah. any reading up on that that you guys might have found of why they've done that for copyright that. or I haven't had that problem with an like a connection. Is That's that, weird. I'm, I'm I'm going to wager that you have two switches hooked up to the same account. Ooh, that's probably possible because when my daughter, uh, yeah, boy, I hate yeah, that. They don't, they don't like, yeah, you have to kind of like log in. One owner owns your, the games. Yeah, yeah. Your, your main, your main switch, and you can find out. I can't remember exactly, so we can talk about this offline. Yes, after the show. But one of your switches is your main switch. Gotcha. Uh, so the example I have, my my brother has two switches: a switch and a switch light just because he likes taking the switch light on the go and his switch his his normal switch basically just stays in the dock it's not even portable anymore that's just how he does it so his switch light is set to his main switch mm-hmm. because that doesn't need this verification process yeah because so he's always got the other one docked right yeah. the other one's always docked always has wi-fi yeah. it's good to go so that one is his secondary switch because he doesn't care if that one has to do constant checks like do you own this game? Are you still logged in? Is it still okay? Blah, blah, blah. So that's, I'm guessing the problem that you're having. So if you take your switch on the go more often than the other, the main switch, you might want to do a little swap. I'm kicking my yeah. daughter off tonight. So thank you yeah. for the advice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard. I always go physical if you can, when you've got like more than one, because it's just who was logged in and sharing it. But yeah, um, especially multiple kids, physical is the best way to go with switch, but yeah, it's, it's a mixed bag, but you mm-hmm. can do it. You just have to plan ahead. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's, uh, it depends on what you like. There's, there's a lot of different options on the switch, but Breath of the Wild, if you've not played it, we're going to talk about that actually in the news section. But Breath of the Wild, if you like Elden Ring, Breath of the Wild is a game that definitely, and it's funny because I was listening, my son was telling me about this, 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 this YouTuber that has his wife experiencing games, and she's not an experienced gamer. And so she's approaching problems without not having gone through like, yeah, this is just what games are. He's just experiencing them brand new. And Breath of the Wild is one of those games where you can use your own path and you can do whatever you want. You may not have a great time doing whatever you want, but it's possible. So that might be, and then you, you can just save anywhere. So I think that would be an op- opportunity to try. And there's lots of little shrines that you can do everything. So I think if you like the Elden Ring experience, Breath of the Wild is completely different because it challenges you because your weapons break. 
Well, I have, yeah. I have, before you get too far down the path, I did play, that was one of the first Switch games mm-hmm. I played, and I absolutely did love it. Yeah. And coming from the okay. Elden Ring, that I hated that weapon-breaking thing, man. I love the freedom. It was so awesome with that weapon-breaking thing. I was like, come on! Uh, so based on your... your knowing that you, you you're de- decent with difficult games, I'm going to suggest Metroid dread. Ooh, uh, yeah. not as much very like quick, easy save points, but there are, there are plenty enough that you can kind of like get there. Um, also going to throw out Luigi's mansion three. Oh yeah. Did that great one game. actually. As, okay. You did that. Okay. Good, <laughs> yep. good, good. Yeah. Metroid um, dreads a great pick though. Yeah. Metroid yep. dread. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to go with that. It one. has a new mode. They added where it's like a one hit mode where you one hit and you die. Or there's uh, a super uh, easy mode. So depending on how you want to do it, uh, yeah. Celeste. If you haven't played oh, yeah, Celeste, Celeste. I could probably talk on this for another hour, but uh, we'll we'll start messing. Dead, we'll, Dead Cells we'll, too. Dead I'll, Cells I'll, I'll call you one. later. Yeah, yeah. 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 we, we can go on. Dead Cells is another one. Yeah. Got it. People Thank love you. Dead Cells. Hollow Knight. A lot of people love that. My son loves Hollow Knight, and it's very much like an Elden Ring. It's very much uh, vague. But it's mm. a, a lot of uh, good skill and very difficult, and you find the narrative. And see, we talked about that finding the narrative. Yeah. Hollow Knight's another game that's like that. You find the narrative. Yeah, gotcha. Gonna, one, one more before we move on. Um, how do you like tactics games? Like tactical. Yeah, my head doesn't work so well. Wait, well, I guess I'm sorry. I cut you off. Are you talking about like a Tom Clancy tactical shooter, or are you talking about more like a StarCraft kind of like? sim scenario uh, thing not not quite sim I, i'm uh, talking about mario plus rabbids kingdom XCOM. Uh, kingdom battle it's like an XCOM type game but like f- for beginners of the genre until you get to the end of the game and sure. they'll hand your ass to you on a silver plate um, strategic yeah strategic well, action game yeah. weirdly strategic kind of um another fun one to, to chew on for a little bit i think uh, for that that easier kind and you of can like, find that game cheap yeah oh, yeah I'm taking these notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, I think you'll love that game because it's a lot of fun. It's very strategic, but it's turn-based, and it's very much you can pause it and come back to it. Yeah, excellent. I'm, I, very yeah, cool. Move on or I'm just gonna keep yeah. on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't want any no Mark. Thank you. I'll call you later. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and just lastly, uh, the game that I just cannot stop playing, and this game is taking precedence over uh, Horizons uh, Forbidden West, and that is Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, this game is by, uh, I think it's Tequila Gameworks. They made like Evil Within, the guy who was behind Resident Evil 4. Um, this game is only on PS5 currently. It will come to Game Pass because it's a Bethesda studio in a year. So you can play it there if you want to wait. But this and there it'll stay. <laughs> exactly. This game is a lot of fun. I'm loving it because it's taking like modern day Tokyo mixed with like uh, Japanese mythology with the togis or sorry, um, onis, like demons and things like that. Essentially, a demon has taken over the area. This mist comes through and it essentially has captured all the souls of people. So you see like all of their like clothes behind, but no bodies. And your job is essentially you're dead. And this avenging spirit uh, goes in your body and allows you to give you special abilities. And it's really fun. And you upgrade the abilities. You're taking down these really creepy villains that almost look like they're from a Japanese horror film, like the ring or something like that. Very creepy and weird. Um, but you, but it's almost like a Bioshock game. First person, almost like the different powers you have and you do cool like doctor strange hand movements um and you can do uh, all these power-ups and it's very fun you talk to cats all the cats this is the crazy part 
you're in Tokyo. So it's like almost like an open world Tokyo too. But every studio uh, shop that was abandoned by humans is now run by cats. And the cats talk to you, they mock you, and you buy things from them. You talk to dogs, you give them food. And it's very cute. And you can you can give the dog like pets, you pet you can pet them, give them dog food. And every time I go to the cat or the dog, my dog goes crazy. Because he's like, <laughs> Is that a dog? Is that a dog? Oh my god, Dad, there's a dog there. I'm like, <laughs> I love it. So it's it's fun. I love it. I just can't stop playing it. It's not really scary though. Some are, there's some jump scares, but it is like a Resident Evil at times where it's not very scary, but it's also action oriented where you're mm-hmm. doing things. It's about movement and things like that. And it's got weird traversal, which is really interesting and fun, which I didn't mm-hmm. expect. But it is that mix of Japanese, like uh, ghost lore, supernatural. You've got a lot of side quests where you have to figure out, like, why is this cherry blossom tree not blossoming? Oh, because this evil spirit took it over and it's absorbing the life of all these other trees and you have to, so it's really fun. I enjoying it. And I, the, the creepy lady with the big scissors, which reminds me of clock power on the PS1. Oh, like which is tower, really, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she's chasing her. I'm like, Holy crap. What am I going to do? And you have to item management and upgrades. And I just, I'm just really enjoying the game. I'm playing, I'm playing it with, um, and, and I know this is like Steve, you'll, you'll probably, kill me but i'm playing with english uh voice overs but you can oh, play no, with japanese <laughs> you play with japanese voiceovers if you want with like uh english subtitles however you want to do it but i'm like i don't actually think the voice talent's faint perfect fine but if you don't you hate that you can do the other way which is nice um and it's well done like yeah i think it's pretty yeah, well done actually i find yeah. so many times they, they phone in the english acting and it's oh like, yeah yeah. Well, but also to your point, though, that you know that's that's par for the course for a Japanese game. They've got such bizarre, and I mean that complimentary because they make some of the funnest games. Things that happen in games that are culturally part of what they do. That having weird, poorly read, executed American voices, I think, goes very well sometimes with what you're actually seeing on the screen. So, <laughs> oh yeah, what was that one weird game, Mark? Do you remember that one weird game that people loved? It was like Twin Peaks, but it was made by a, a oh. Japanese creator. There's two of them. Crimson. No, yes. it was. Uh, it was. Uh, the, yeah, you were driving around talking to Zach, your little movie friend. There was, was two of them. <laughs> yeah. I played the second one on the Switch actually, which was very difficult. But yeah, it uh, was like one of the worst games that people loved. It was like that cult game series. But yeah, same thing. This is pretty good. I, I, I think if you're a fan of like that Japanese, like Resident Evil, but more action oriented, I think you'll enjoy it with a little bit of. Uh, and you've got a constant companion with you which is very fun like the guy that's invade your spirit is constantly talking through and i always forget that the the, the dual sense controller has a speaker built in i always mm-hmm. forget it and it's so cool because it's right there talking to you uh the dual sense implementation of the feedback uh, all of the things that are included in it are awesome so i think they've done a great job of taking all those things and making a really cool experience so ghostwire tokyo definitely check it out it's a lot of fun would you say that it's like uh, another game that scared the ever living hell on me was Fatal Frame? Like all of them? Do you remember that game from PlayStation? It's, yeah, this is more action oriented, but oh, okay. that, a similar aesthetic. But like I said, you're you're kind of in Tokyo, so you're doing a lot of open world exploration. But uh, once again, you you get into a world and you're like, oh crap! There's there's the bad guys. They're coming at me, and they're really creepy as hell. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Well, cool. somebody told me you're a man who knows how to get things, and if you can dig me up a PS5 because I haven't been able to get one yet and send one over here. I will buy it, but right now Talk they won't let guy. me play it. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> I will put you on my list and I will get you a console. Believe me, I am console clause, right, Mark? 
Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, before we move on, I do have one more buy rent return from discord slosh Ritter slot schloss. Jesus. I can't speak. Uh, I don't know if it's his uh, real name either. Yeah. I see him. He's yeah, always yeah. got like uh, comments co- constantly in the discord. So, uh, yes. So, so keep the, the comments coming, but he would buy King's quest because he already has, and he's played uh, some some more than than once, so that's that's I guess uh, something he's he's revisited in the past. So he'll buy it again. Uh, he's going to rent Monkey Island, similar to Todd. Seems like he hasn't tried it out, but has always seemed interested. The only Lucas Arts adventure I ever got around to was Maniac Mansion. So, yes, the guy's yeah. awesome. Schloss, there we go. Where we are. Good stuff. Fun fact: uh, there was actually a Maniac Mansion TV series with Matt Furrier. I do remember that. That did not do well. Crazy. <laughs> no. Uh, and he would return then walking dead again. Seems interesting. Hasn't played it, but, uh, he's kind of been over the zombie craze since before the TV show. So he jumped out of the walking dead even before I did. So, uh, can't, uh, can't blame him there. So there we go. Nice point. Very, very good. All right. Well, thanks everyone for, uh, giving us feedback and we'll do a better job. We're going to put it out a week in advance going forward. Mark and I will be locked in on that. We'll, we'll lock in and get the, uh, Byron return going forward. Uh, but with that, we're going to hit one news item. There was a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Spartacus was announced. It's a mixed right. bag, but I already locked in cause I found a, a refuge to get PS plus now, whatever for three years. Sorry guys. It's going to be fun. You're going to get to play a lot of, PS1, PS2 downloadable games going forward. That's the big thing. Downloadable, mm-hmm. big retro catalog, awesome. PS3 will still be streaming, and a PS4, PS5 catalog, depending on what you do. If you're going to subscribe, buy the annual. 120 bucks gets you the biggest package, which is a good deal. That's essentially PS Now plus PS Plus for a year. So do that. Don't do monthly. So the same thing with that the Gigolo hotline says 120 bucks gets you the biggest package. Uh, Mark, I uh, would not be able to uh, judge on that, but thank you for your recommendation. Also, X, this cool part, Mark, I love this, and for everybody else, Xbox is planning on doing a family uh, package for Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> it means so many things. Um, for Xbox Game Pass, doing a family package, because right now the limitation is when one person logs into one Xbox it kind of derails the other person what plays on another Xbox. Mm-hmm. So the family plan was on Xbox Live Gold, and they haven't done it yet. So that'd be great. Like maybe 30 bucks a month gets you five people in your plan. I think mm-hmm. this is a cool idea. I hope Can that's I, what they do. Can I ask you? So I was thinking about this today a little no bit. Package, I think no, package, no package. No package questions. I think it is awesome with the scenario you just said about having maybe one other person in the house on at the same time you are and being able to not screw up your game. I'm trying to justify five people in the same family all on different Xboxes at the same time and what they should be doing to come back together around the dinner table. Like when I hear that they're putting this whole system, I'm like, really? There are five people in your family at the same time all on your family the same way that I treat the Nintendo uh, exactly of family, which is uh, Finn's godparents. Yeah, my right. Brother, my nephew, me and my wife. I think that's the yeah. Uh, my my Nintendo family is myself, Sean Nias, his kids, and my brother-in-law and his kids. Yeah. Yeah, that that part of it works. All right. Family. (laughs) Family. We're all in the family. And you know what? If there's an Xbox Game Pass family, I will may have family in Xbox (laughs) in Canada land as we'll figure this one out. Yeah, so we'll go there. But I think it's great because it's just the thing you want to you don't want to share passwords if you don't need to. But 
why not uh, broaden it and, and put down the barrier? Three, 30 bucks a month, I think, is the sweet spot for a family plan. More than that, it gets really dicey, right? And are you having your friends, uh, I mean, your families chipping in with you? I've got some family on other TV stations and stuff. I don't ask them to chip in. We just swap. No, my, my, we swap my under family. family is slackers right now. My yeah. Nintendo family needs to start chipping in eventually. Yeah, my slackers. My family, it's split. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It works. Mark's a hard sell. He's like, you need to do this or you're cut off. Oh, well. Um, but the big news story this week is, Mark, do you want this one? It's not a surprise, but it's a disappointment. And this was uh, this was early in the week. So like I said, we were in lockdown. I needed one more kick to just get me right down. And that was uh, Breath of the Wild 2 delayed until spring 2023. Like I said, not a huge surprise. Nintendo's got a pretty stacked year. We know there's a new Pokemon game coming out. We know there's... You know, some other stuff through the pipeline that we were trying to figure out when does Breath of the Wild 2 fit in or why are they putting things up against Breath of the Wild 2? So they came out with like literally a two minute direct this week that was just like, it's out there. We apologize. Here it is. We apologize. Breath of the Wild 2 is delayed. Spring 2023. And and that's that's basically it. And here's they a two off. second clip of new footage. I was just gonna say they showed off like two seconds of new footage, including like the damaged master sword, a couple of other little tidbits, but uh that was that was pretty much it. So I don't know what I can say I'm disappointed by this, but like I said, there's a lot of stuff to play this fall. Even if you only own a Nintendo Switch, there's gonna be some stuff to play. Um through the the spring summer fall whatever like there's there's plenty of stuff so uh, saving this giving it some more time to cook we've seen what halo you know they got more time to cook and it still felt like it was rushed out in some ways that they're they came out and apologized this week and said we know your multiplayer our multiplayer fans are fed up they they want new content and we're not putting it out fast enough but uh that's a team that pushed out a game then kind of has to scramble now and where do you put your resources so nintendo is a company that will they're they're not afraid to do what they have to do to make sure the game that comes out comes out right so if they say they need more time nintendo's if i had to pick one company in the world that has earned the right to say i need more time it's it's Nintendo, so I trust them. It is a disappointment. What do you guys think, uh, Steve? Let's let's start with you. You said you played the first Breath of the Breath of the Wild. Are you looking forward to this one? I, I actually I am. Um, I love Breath of the Wild. It was a big foray back into the Zelda for long years. But to your point a minute ago, the the fact of all the news about um, you know, uh, boy, why can't I? When they're treating their employees badly and working them to death, oh, that's too much. Crunch. Why can't I get that crunch. word? Yeah. 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 Where, you know, all the talk about crunch and all the stuff that's gone on with cyber, you know, cyberpunk, which I still think is one of the greatest right. games of all time. I'm sorry. I had a great experience, but I'm sorry that had to happen. Um, all that crunch, you know, it is worth keeping that stuff in there. But also to your point, no is ever going to be satisfied when it comes out early, late. It's always going to have a problem. Always going to be cooked too long, too little. Um, so I just hope we I hope it is as good as the last one was, and uh, I'm sure it will be. And they bring some new new systems and maybe get rid of that whole weapon breaking thing. Mm. 
Well, it looks like you can use a broken weapon if you're using a broken master sword. So, like, there, you fixed uh, it. There you go. There's a subtle hint right in the... Yep. <laughs> Todd, what about you? What do you, what do you feels on, on this news? It's weird because we thought this would be the Majora's Mask to the Ocarina of Time. Right. We thought they already have an engine. It's a direct sequel. They have the art assets. They have the physics engines. All these things are in place for a quick turn, similar to Majora's Mask, which essentially was 18 months later, they released a new game, which is just bizarre. So I've not seen anything in this game yet that says we couldn't have done that in Breath of the Wild. So I'm curious to see what their big uh, you know, move forward is that could not have done done because this is the longest gestating Zelda of all time. Six years. All Zelda games get delayed, I think, except for a, a couple. But six years. I mean, even if four years with excluding COVID is a long time to make a game. So I'm curious what this means for this game. Do they go down a different path? Do they exclude it? Are they going to do different things they've never done before? Because um, Breath of the Wild was the turn to do something new. So to do almost, I mean, Breath of the Wild took four years. So now six years? That is essentially an incremental build um, because you're not building a new in physics engine or a new world, but they're going to have new environments. Totally get that. So I, it'll be interesting. I think uh, George R.R. R. Martin was hired to do two stories for <laughs> two games, and then when they realized the other one beat them to it, they had to go back to the drawing board and change the whole the whole lore. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's going to be interesting because we don't want another Zelda game where it's like, oh, you're a amnesiac. No, no, it's a sequel. I remember everything. I've got all my powers. You don't have to depower me. So that's a, that's a, that's a challenge. I don't think they've ever had to deal with before is like, no, it's the same, it's the same link. And he's not starting mm -hmm. from scratch. Mm -hmm. He's got relationships and things like that. So I'm hoping Mark, that this is the intention where they say it's not just going to be Link; it's going to be Zelda this time. And you've got mm. more, you've got a, more of a cooperative or a diversion experience where Zelda will play a part. I think that's the only way you can say that's what made it take that long versus Link's just going up. He's going in the air. I'm like, okay, great. You did that with Skyward Sword. So I think they need to do I something that really means it. Too. That would be uh, as long as it's not controlled yet. by motion controls. Right, that killed my shoulders. No, or anything there. But uh, I would love to see those creepy looking uh, shoe bill demon birds. Let's let's bring that back. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean they they did kind of address that. They said you know it's it's they saw the chance to go bigger. So I, I think mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what they've done here. So. Uh, We'll, we'll see 2023. And of course we'll be talking about anything update. I don't know if they'll still be updating for the, the timeline formerly known as E3, which has officially gone away this year, but uh, we'll skip over that and, and move on. This is just going to create more generation of rumors for a switch to Mark. It's going to be new hardware for the big game that demands it. And you can play it like the <laughs> right? Wii U or the switch with the breath of the wild. One. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this leads us into the last part of the show, which is the bonus round where we talk about accessibility because we've talked about two different games which are diametrically opposed. So accessibility is essentially allowing people to access games on the way they need to because of their abilities, uh, maybe challenges they have with technology, their uh, familiarity with games all of these things 
account for accessibility. Your 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 skill set, your time you have the game, um, young, old, all of these things are part of that um, when it comes to accessibility. Um, it's not just difficulty. It just becomes all things and people that want to play and, and just the barriers to game and have a good time. So we've got, once again, we talked about the, 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 the different levels of games and accessibility. We've got Kirby and we've got Elden Ring. Isn't that like kind of crazy? And people love both. Yep. And there's ways to approach both. So I, my, I just pose this question. Can you improve the experience for gamers? And I put little different caveats, and you guys can give these two as well. Save anywhere, not just checkpoints. Fast travel, adjustable difficulty. An example would be Tomb Raider said, you know what, you may love combat, but you hate puzzle solving. Or you may hate combat, but you love puzzle solving. Or you hate traversal. You can adjust any of those things to the level that makes you have a challenge but makes you enjoy the experience and not, you know, leave it with hate. Uh, that's what I would say, adjustability. And then without compromising the game, meaning saying a developer has a vision like a filmmaker, Steve, and saying, I don't want you to say this is not what I am imagined, but I want more people to experience it. So that's what I pose. I will sit back and say, can you do this? without compromising the game so steve go ahead well i think you covered a couple of the points uh very well i think the thing that i'm seeing happen right now is the word accessibility is getting mixed with that's too hard for me right now it's more of a louder voice that's on the youtube sphere mm -hmm. i mean absolutely accessibility as far as you know colorblindness and all other things that uh, the size of font and type and all everything that you can possibly do to make a game to open the door into that game for that person to walk into the game land and begin to experience, I believe absolutely has to be there every single time. When it comes to the difficulty, coming back from the age of the 80s and 90s where everything was punishing, everything was punishing and you went back. Not that that was great. It's kind of a badge of honor now. Uh, and I certainly at my age hate some of that punishment that still happens in games right now. I find it's a little hard, right? Because as you said, I'm a movie guy and there is an intent that the person who made the group that made that game wanted to put out there. And if that intent was, I want you to fight your ass off to get through this because I believe the reward at the end is the journey of that is better than just walking through it. I can't say they were wrong for doing that. And having played Elden Ring... In the first game I played a long time where I couldn't put an easy mode on because, yeah, I like just walking through stories now. I felt so rewarded when I got done with that. I was dancing upstairs in my bedroom in front of my girlfriend. She's like, did you beat the Elden Ring? And I'm like, I did. Look at this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I haven't felt like I was 10 years old like that in forever. So frustrating as hell, but fun. Um, but, I, you know, the, the one thing that save points everywhere I think should be standard in all games all the mm -hmm. time. Make the guy as hard as you possibly can. But if I can't just walk right up and not have to go through, you know, two miles and they're much much better than that now but yeah that's kind of my my two cents right now game being hard is not inaccessible necessarily it wants you to do something and you have the right to do it and you're not and i hate to say this but not everything is for everybody even though in society we're trying to do that as much as we can movies aren't for everybody paintings aren't for everybody certain foods aren't for everybody and i if that game's not for me because I don't, I, I haven't been, the door hasn't been open for me to walk into the world and start, then I got to walk away. And I have on that before, but that's my two cents. Ten cents. Right. I, I tend to agree uh, that, uh, you know, not every game is for every person. And I know myself, 
enough to know that like I don't I either don't have the time or don't have the patience or the skill or that's not my type of game. And I I I'm usually pretty good at calling that myself, but there are times when I really appreciate that accessibility and it makes me kind of happy to be a f- pretty much fully able person to play games. And, and then, you know, it gets you thinking about that broader picture of Excel accessibility, you know, what that means for someone who can't, like you said, colorblindness or, uh, accessible controls and that kind of thing. And, um, there is that argument that, you know, gaming should, should, at, you, you should at least have the option to do that. So while I, 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 I can see it from both ways, you know, it's, it's difficult to say like, Oh, well, just because you can't see the font that they chose very small in this, uh, you know, is, is that any different than this game is supposed to be difficult? You know, it's a, a visual choice versus a difficulty choice. So it's, it's tough, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's, it's frustrating when that's your barrier from enjoying something. Um, especially in something like Elden Ring, if you're just a big George railroad Martin fan, uh, <laughs> then, then you, you want to experience it, even if he was mostly hands off with this and just kind of wrote like a draft. Um, but that's, that's the kind of thing. And, and a game we talked about last time was uh was tunic and i've been very much enjoying that but again having a a sick toddler around who just wants to watch fun colorful things i put the cute fox up on the tv and i was getting my ass kicked at a boss and was just like you know what i'm sick of my almost two-year-old watching the fox die constantly so <laughs> i turned on no damage mode and kicked this boss's ass and just i forgot him. about that i mark i didn't realize there was a no damage mode and i'm like i should do that because i'm getting like a little pissed off right now and then yeah. i turned i turned damage back on as soon mm-hmm. as i was done that boss Absolutely. because I, yeah. I don't mind the challenge i don't mind dying here or getting oh man, that enemy's a little bit harder. I should have used my shield instead of my roll or I should have whatever, right? Um, I don't mind that kind of dying, but it was like six times in a row with this boss. And like, you know, Finn's kind of like getting a little antsy from seeing like the, you know, just Fox get his ass kicked. And he just wants to like play hide and seek behind the bushes with the Fox. (laughs) So uh, it's like, you know, just easy mode. Let's go, move Mm -hmm. on. Um, And I, I appreciated that so much. And, uh, but at the same point, I, I hold Celeste, uh, I, I beat that without turning on any difficulty modifiers. I beat that as it was intended. And I hold that as one of those, like you said, the badge of honor, right? <laughs> like that is a game that I, I, I climbed that mountain. Right. Yeah, it's very little and, social uh, capital, but I still, you know, hold those badges. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and Mark, to your point with Celeste, Steve, this is a cool game and it has a great story mm-hmm. and it, it allows you to adjust the difficulty as much as you want mm-hmm. because they want people to still experience the voyage, the journey and the story, which is is, is kind of what they're saying. But the, the whole message of the game is, uh, I think, Mark, you would say is the journey is worth the effort and that's what they mm-hmm. said so and it's worth the effort you can put into it but they don't want to say you you can't experience the message unless you go through the game it's like it's mm-hmm. kind of that mixed bag because they want it to be a medium that really captures a positivity for um all of these m- mental health issues that the developer went through and wants to have a, a medium to explore which oh, is sure. great what was the game? It was The Last of Us 2, I think, right? They had, like, you could twist the dial for, like, every little minutia of, of difficulty. And I thought yes. that was actually pretty interesting because at least you felt like you knew to you could very specifically pick, I hate I jumping. Hate 
Boom. Yeah, and I hate stealth. stealth. That's Boom. what I did. That's and, what I did and, with the game. I hated stealth because I'm like, I seeing the radar and it's like, mm. I know I got past the radar, but they still got me. I hate that. I know I have skill, except I can't control the AI and how they ex- notice yeah. me. Exactly the point. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I can dial that specific part down, but still have a good challenge. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I like that one because it wasn't just easy, hard, you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I think in if a game like Celeste can have some difficulty multipliers. If a game uh, like like Tunic can, I don't know if there's ex- an excuse in this day of a- this day and age to just be like, our game's tough because it's tough. Get good or get lost, right? Like I I I understand that excuse, and I understand if that's the challenge that the game is trying to put out. But I. I don't know. Part Mark, of I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example with Elden Ring and my son playing it. He shows me a boss he takes down with three hits. Right. It's like, oh, that's the hard boss. I'm like, so it essentially becomes a, and I always say this, is the difficulty actually the amount of time you have to spend? Mm. In Led Elden Ring, I always felt like if I had 90 hours to play it, I could. But at a time, I may have three mm-hmm. hours. That's my problem. I've like I can only play three hours at a time. I can maybe only experience like thirty minutes of incremental experience. Yeah. So that's a barrier to me in accessibility because I'm an adult. I got to move my house. I got to do this thing. I'm and I I hate that developers say unless you've got ninety hours to put into it or twenty hours at a time or something like that that you're just not going to be have a good time. I'm like, well, that just seems like. Who are you going after? Because gaming demographic is going up in age. They have less available time. So if your if your metric of getting better is just amount of time you put into it, it's like, well, that's dumb. Yeah. I don't think amount of time you can put into it is because it's like people play Fortnite and things like I get it, but I mean I, if that's what it is, then I get it. It's just not for me. It's like doing a raid in Destiny. I don't have four hours on a Sunday to put into a raid. I get that. And if that's the barrier, let's just be honest. Unless you have the time. You're not yeah. going to be enjoyed it versus the skill set because in, Des- in in Elden Ring, what I experienced is you have to grind. Grind takes time. It's not about skill set. It is to a certain extent, but it's like you've got to get hundred thousand souls or whatever. That's just going to take a lot of time. So I think we have to be very clear to say: is it skill or time or a combination of both? And it's fine. Let's just be honest to say the tryhards. But if you get these commenters that saying, I put 300 hours in this game, I'm like, how did you do that? Did you yeah, work right. for a living? Because how is that even possible? I have to work, you know, this and I have to sleep and I've got a kid. And so, yeah. So I think that's that that's that mix of honest focus to say, do you want me to be this to be my life or do you want me to be a hobby where I have fun with it? Like watching a movie. I have three hours to watch a movie. I don't have 80 hours in a week to play a game. Yeah. Do you think, uh, uh, and I agree with a lot of that kind of stuff, and you know, with, with, with EA and all these companies, you know, you watching the gaming world change so much with microtransactions and loot boxes and unfinished content and always updatable content. It's a very different planet that we were on before. And all these games are, all these companies are making these highly accessible games. I think FromSoft, that's their thing. They know who they want to go after this. That's yeah. what they've always been. They don't really care. And because Elden Ring... I'm not defending this, but Elden Ring seemed to be one of the one that broke wide. And is that because of George Martin that like people thought? I mean, I never played the other ones. I only got this one because hey, it looked good, and a lot of people are talking about it. But that's yeah. the one that broke wide, and now it's kind of a shock to the system to the casual gamer who is used to buying their way through something with you know, or or changing all the you know, and they're going whoa. And as we talked earlier, you know, um, 
I'm from that old school way, and I'm not 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 that the kids need to figure this stuff out, but it's like, man, it used to be a lot harder back then than it is. It's actually pretty easy now in games to get through them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that wasn't really a great cogent point, but I yeah, I think FromSoft is kind of they know what they know what they're who they want to be in their end. That's and they're always be that, yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the creator has said. My games are about suffering and learning from it and getting better. I totally get that. And, and they don't want to lean into the, anything else. I totally get that. I, it's the FOMO because this game is becoming such a big thing that I think this be, is really frustrating a lot of people. Absolutely. But I would say it's not just even the difficulty with Elden Ring. It's the vagueness. It's the fact that there is no pause in a game that essentially is a single-player game with multiplayer elements. The fact that you can't pause, it's like, I'm not raiding. I can do whatever I want. And it's just, I don't want people to come into my game, but why can't I pause to do in the middle of combat, take a, a thing like that? I totally get that. And it's, they've done certain things to say, we, we've gotten to a point where you can do things in menus where you can explain things. They just like to be vague. And that's where I think they're just really going after people. It's like, we're going to be really vague and not tell you how to do things, how to equip things, what matters. Even when you pick your class, it's so vague. There's like 12 classes and it's like, have fun. It's like, we're no, we're at a point where we can actually be cogent and tell you things, but we're choosing not to. So in a way they are baiting people to be angry because they want you to explore and commit to it, but they're not going to commit to it like other developers would, and they would get nailed for it. So there is a little bit of a pass, just like there's a pass for Nintendo and Sony and others. But I mean, it's, it's just the way we are today. So I appreciate what they're doing. They're doing something completely different. Yeah, and I spent, that'll be my last point on it. I, I haven't spent as much time online looking up on how I should be trying to go, you know, figure out best builds, build. figure out yeah. mm-hmm. uh, where I should go. You know, I'm not trying to cheat the game. There is really no story. I mean, but, you know, where do I kind of go? And some of the vagaries led me to engage my mind in way more ways yes. than lots of games were. And I love Assassin's Creed and I love all those and I play those to death, but I don't. I wasn't off looking and going, ha, this guy does this and this guy did. So I I found an entire separate game, if you will, work as well. It was work (laughs) just to, you know, come back and pop this up in the dark of the basement. Okay, I got to I got to find this stupid tree. And, and do this and do this. But I will last point say I'm on that pause button. What's even worse is I would be, you know, you pause the game in the middle of an open field. Nobody's around you. I'd be in the bathroom and in the, in the across the room, I'd hear, and I come outside and a goat would be kicking my ass and I'd die because a goat ran up on me somewhere out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, not even a bad guy. So yeah, that was a bit annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, and it's just the way things are now. And I think it's fine to have a game that really challenges the norm. I get it. So it's just the hard part is when the audience that's out there, when you're trying to engage and like basically says, get better, get good. We don't like that. We want people to engage and make the the, the gaming uh, experience better. So hopefully that's going to be the future. We get good communities engaging the Sherpas that lead you through. And I think that's a big part of it. So uh, with that, um, is there a good example of like a game that balances like accessibility um, versus difficulty and all those things that you would say, like, try this one out because it may be difficult, but they allow you to experiment and have a good time and they're not going to punish you. I don't know. I would say Last of Us 2 again if you played one and you don't mind the psychological trauma of the the story of that game for 30 hours. uh, That was highly accessible, if not 
completely dramatic, but um, that's one of the more recent ones that I have. Uh, even going back through some of the old games again and watching the Mass Effect series, one, two, three, which if you played it normally, it took years to get all the way through. But when you're back to back to backing and seeing how the menus change and how they get bigger and how things get, I don't want to say dumbed down, but I can't think of a better word right now for combat to make things a little bit easier, more accessible as you got along the games. They certainly made them, you know, made up things fun. So I'm going to stick to the ones I already mentioned as well. Tunic, uh, if you're looking for something new and uh, Celeste, if you're looking for something impactful, very, very difficult if you want it to be, or just, just get through the, uh, the story with as, as, as much or as little difficulty as, as you want to and, and get what you need to out of that amazing story. So um, I, yeah, those are the, the two examples off the top of my head. I'm sure I could think of more um, and you can go as, as, asinine as uh as as funky kong mode in the donkey kong games which are tough right but like funky kong mode gets made fun of so much but that opened up that game to uh, a whole bunch of people and kids that that couldn't play it before and they just want to play a stupid monkey game but like they made the stupid monkey game ridiculously hard so like dark souls of platformers mike right yeah yeah so yeah. Uh, that's that's another one though my my new addition to that list I love the fact that the uh, retro games now have save points where they didn't, which is great. Oh, that's, it's like yeah. you can just, yeah. The, the Switch Online, like, creates a spend point. Oh, yeah, yeah. So good. It makes a game where you can go and have a good time and just, just experiment and have a good time. You don't have to worry about, like, I'm going to lose eight hours of progress or do something like that, which I think is phenomenal. Um, and and I, I would agree with, like, even, like, Horizon Forbidden West, they just added a mode where, like, they upgraded it where it's like, oh, if you're going to collect all of these uh, things to get all of your resources, they no longer require you to do this animation where you pick things up, which when you're doing a game for, like, 60 hours – that's annoying. It gets so like, you're just taking up my time to do this animation that I don't care about. That's why I hated like red dead redemption too. Cause I'm like, now I'm going to like brush my horse and it's going to take three hours. So yeah, I think there's a lot of great ways we can get this. Uh, but you know what? Let us know folks, what games would you recommend that really manage accessibility? And we'll go from there. Cause I think people want to game and make it worth their time. So with that, Steve, Thank you for joining us. This has been a fun time. So tell people where they can find you if they need to find you online. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. I, I can tell you where you can find me online. However, I'm the older I get, the less online I go <laughs> just, just to keep things quiet. Uh, I am on both the PlayStation Network, at, well, on the Nintendo Network and the uh, Xbox Network under Sea uh, Slayer. Uh, that is an old 1990s uh, really stupid handle that I have for myself and there's thousands of them now, but I have the first one. So, uh, C-S-L-A-Y-E-R. Incredible game handles. We love them. I had mine. I got rid of those finally, and I was able to traverse. So thank you for joining <laughs> us. So, Mark, tell people where they can find you. You can find me on Xbox and Switch as Canardian or on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, uh, everywhere else as the underscore Canardian. Excellent. And you can follow me on gaming, uh, well, at Twitter, at The Oxtra, for all my bad takes in the world of social media. And on uh, gaming, Spartion 98 on Xbox Switch and Spartion 1998 on ESN. Well, this has been a pleasure. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Mark. Remember, folks, it's always better to game together. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. 
Visit SecretFriendsUnite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at SecretFriendsU on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.